You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about what you should be doing in your business instead of spending time doing non-competes. Now, before we get into the episode, make sure you've gone over and you've joined our Facebook groups, All-Star Cheer Coaches and Owners, if you're a coach and or a coach owner, or Cheer and Gymnastics Gym Owners, if you are a gymnastics or a cheer gym owner. Make sure you've joined those groups. You're paying attention to what's going on. We've got some really great one-day events that are coming up, um, some really cool conferences and things that are going to help you grow your business. Also, great opportunities to learn more about how to join the Academy. Head on over to nextgenowners.com. Make sure you're subscribed to our blogs. Danielle's been putting out some really great content as she always is. And last but not least, make sure you share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. Another gym owner, someone who would get something out of listening to this podcast. All right. So getting into it, what is it you should be doing instead of non-competes? Now, this has come up quite a bit lately. I've seen a lot of questions about it on Facebook. um, And it's, it's just that time of year where you are hiring and so you're running through your processes of onboarding your staff. And a lot of gyms do have non-competes and or you're hiring an employee who maybe is coming from a location. Maybe they're moving to a new state because they had a non-compete in a previous state. Or uh, there's a variety of reasons that non-competes could be uh, involved in your business right now, whether it is you are, it's something you have your employees sign or you've been subjected to one before, or maybe you're even, you know, in a position where you've signed a non-compete in the past. You're just curious if that really is the best standard moving forward in your own business. So we're going to be talking about why I don't think you should do non-competes and Uh, what you should do instead with your coach's contracts to protect your business. Now, the reason one would have anyone sign a non-compete is at the end of the day, we're trying to protect our business. As a business owner, we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money building up our programs, and we don't want to see ourselves uh, be exposed by employees that we have been paying Uh, to then turn around and leave for a competitor's gym or to leave and start their own thing and then take our clients from us. So a non-compete is a typical, uh, or at least it it has been a typical option for uh, employers to have their employees sign uh, to get it so they cannot Essentially, they can't do the job they were doing for you with for a certain period of time within a certain square mileage of your location. Um, so there's all sorts of things that go into a non-compete, but essentially you're saying you can't do what you were doing here somewhere else. And this is, um, I'm going to be just forthright honest, I don't find non-competes to be super uh, moral. I actually think they're kind of uh, wrong. I don't think they are the right thing to do for an employee. They may be the right thing from the perspective of I'm a business, but 
I believe that a relationship between an employer and an employee is a consensual relationship, meaning we both consent to engage in this relationship. We both can end it at any time. And just like I would treat any other relationship, you know, I wouldn't want to start dating someone and have to sign an agreement at the beginning of dating them that says, uh, if I date you, I will not date anyone else uh, within a hundred square miles uh, or that you knew or, or have any sort of relationship with in any way, shape or form um, and yada, yada, yada. Like that, that would be like, well, that's not fair. How can you control my life in that way? And we kind of do the same thing with employees. And so I just, from a, um, doing what's right perspective, I think it's a little bit odd. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't do that with my dream camps employees and there are camp companies out there that do that. And I disagree with them. And that's one of the reasons I won't sign. I won't have my employees sign one. Um, that's not something I expect them to do because unless I'm giving them so much money that they would have no other reason to go somewhere else than to say, well, you can't go out and do anything that doesn't run through my business. I just don't think is, I don't think is fair. Um, you know, if there now there's other things I think that you can do and should do within your business to protect yourself. And we're going to talk through some of those things. So getting into the non-competes, one of the biggest things about them is in most states, non-competes are really not enforceable. Um, now there are some states where they are, um, but there are a lot of states that they just don't hold up in court. And that's really what it's going to come down to is a non-compete is basically a, it's a contractual agreement that you enter into with an employee. And if they violate it, then you have to serve them with a cease and desist. And then from there, you then have to sue them for violating the non-compete. And then you have to go to court and eventually get a judgment saying that they violated it. Or if you lose in court, you know, there could be a provision or they could counter sue you for their attorney fees and all of that stuff. So long term, it's kind of a big headache um, when it comes to to cheerleading. Like at the end of the day, even losing a couple kids, like it's not the same. The reason the non-competes really like started or, or where I could see it making sense is if you're in a, a really particular niche industry where someone's going to be taking, you know, millions of dollars of clients with them if they leave and go to the competitor. Um, and that's really where non-competes do start to stand up. Or maybe you're going to take um, some sort of a you know, you have trade secrets and that you've developed something that's of great value and you're taking that to a competitor, which violates some other things that we're going to talk about are things that you should have in place. Um, but I just don't, they don't typically, um, end up being enforceable and each state has different laws. Uh, oftentimes, uh, for, a a non-compete to be enforceable, it has to follow very strict parameters. And some of those common parameters are, um, one, an employee needs to be paid enough to fall under a non-compete. And oftentimes, cheer employees are not compensated at a rate commensurate to what a non-compete would apply to. Uh, number two, it has to be freely entered into, and it needs to either be entered into at the beginning of the relationship or upon such time as a contract is being renegotiated or there is a, a pay increase, something like that, um, would be a a normal time for a new non-compete to be signed. Um, 
And so it's got to be attached to one of those things. It's also got to be reasonable in scope and time. So, um, you know, I know of gyms that have non-competes that are like, you can't coach at a gym within 200 square miles. Well, that's really not reasonable. You're basically saying, if you ever don't work for me, if you want to work in this industry, you have to move to another state, maybe even two states away, uh, in order to not violate this non-compete. And most courts are not going to see that as a reasonable expectation. Um, generally speaking, my understanding, and again, I'm not an attorney, this is not legal advice. Um, but generally what I've heard is around 50 miles is considered a reasonable scope. 25 is definitely reasonable. Um, and then duration or time, you know, is it, is it one year or is it six months or is it one year or two years or five years or 10 years? Like how long is it that you're trying to say this person can't, um, work, can't work in the field that they were working in for you. And generally speaking, the courts are going to err to the employee's side. So I've just found that in the majority of circumstances, non-competes in the cheer industry, especially or gymnastics industry are not super enforceable. Um, unless you are, and I'm talking kind of on the gym scale, right? There might be situations if you're in in a corporate position in some sort of a competition company or um, with a large brand that they may be paying you enough and it may actually make sense in that industry um, where it might hold up in court. But again, you also have to evaluate, is this worth the headache? Is this worth the time and suffering and, and pain and money I'm going to be putting out because I'm going to have to pay my attorney up front? Um, yeah, I might get attorney fees back on the back end if I win. So is it going to be worth that? So let's talk about what I think you should do instead. And these are things that you should have in your contracts, your employment contracts. When you hire people on, you bring on a new employee. These things should just be included in your paperwork. Um, so number one is a non-solicitation agreement. Um, and what this is, is it is an agreement saying uh, your employee agrees that upon termination of the contract, that they agree to for a period of one to two years, whatever you put in your contract, not solicit any of your current clients, which means they're not going to go to them and say, hey, I've gone down to XYZ gym, you can now do privates with me. Or hey, I really think you should switch over here because of, uh, you know, the coaching is so great, you need to come over here. Now, <clears throat> you can, this becomes challenging because if an if a client reaches out to them and just says, hey, give me information, then they're really not soliciting. Um, and so again, it is a little bit hard to prove, but I think that a non-solicitation agreement um, is much more enforceable. They have, they, I've seen them be enforced successfully um, and they tend to hold a little bit more uh, weight in the court's eyes because the court says, yes, it is reasonable to uh, protect your client lists and not have your clients solicited by your former employees. The only reason they had access to those clients was because they were your employee. So therefore, they should not be soliciting, that, soliciting them uh, after their employment is terminated. So a non-solicitation agreement, I think, is a really, really great thing to include. Another thing to include potentially is a, a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA. Uh, and these are fairly enforceable as well. Now, you have to be very specific about what it is they're not allowed to disclose. Um, oftentimes, these will come with um, you know, separations where maybe you terminate someone and you give them some sort of an, a termination package. You know, I'm going to give you $5,000. You're going to leave. You're going to sign this NDA saying, you know, you're not going to communicate any of our information. You're not going to disclose uh, what your 
what our agreement was with you leaving or you're not going to disclose uh, your what your rate of pay was to other people. Those are things that you could um, could enforce in an NDA. And NDAs are actually really, really common. Um, and they don't even have to correlate with the ending of a relationship. You can um, have someone sign an NDA before you give them a promotional offer. You can say, hey, look, I'm looking to give you an offer for a job. Um, but <clears throat> in order to get this offer, you have to sign an NDA um, saying you will not disclose uh, any of the trade secrets you will learn in this process. You won't disclose what it is you're being paid. Um, you know, you can put those things in there to protect yourself in the process. Um, and that's oftentimes done because you don't want other employees knowing what the offer was, or you don't want competitors knowing what the offer was, those kind of things. So there's a lot of different situations where you can use an NDA. And I think NDAs are much more reasonable to be used within your business. But the number one is the non-solicitation. The number two is a confidentiality agreement. And I think confidentiality agreements carry a lot of weight to them. And this is can be harder to prove. Confidentiality is generally going to relate to what would be considered trade secrets. So if you have a very unique way of you know something proprietary to your business, uh, then that would be confidential and would be something that someone could not disclose to their new employer, or if they were to go to another business, they wouldn't be able to steal that proprietary information. So labeling uh, your your policy and procedural manual, labeling your, your practice outlines, labeling those things confidential for internal use only would bolster any sort of confidentiality uh, violation and confidentiality agreement. So um, if you're, if you are concerned about that, I would encourage you to start labeling your things, you know, confidential internal use only um, those kind of things that say that they're not for public disclosure, which then would give you some teeth if someone was ever going out and uh, utilizing those things in another facet. On top of that, um, you know, this would also be a confidentiality agreement would also relate to client lists in regard to not them soliciting, but them maybe turning over a client list to someone else and saying, Hey, I can't solicit these people, but here's the list and you can. And that is really a roundabout violation of the non-solicitation, but it is also a breach of confidentiality because you should be putting in to all of your contracts that all of your client lists, client names, all of those things are considered uh, confidential and for internal use only by employees of your business. So uh, that would be my approach with those. I would I would use non-solicitation. I would use NDAs when necessary. And I would absolutely have a confidentiality agreement in your hiring paperwork. Just make that a part of what it is you are doing. Now, if you need help with all of this stuff or you're not really sure where to start, that's definitely something that we at NextGen can help you with. Um, all of our coaches have experience um, dealing with these kind of circumstances. Um, like I said, I just don't, I would, if you were to talk to me on a call, I would tell you, I don't think you should do a, um, a non-compete. I don't think it's worth the paper it's written on. And um, I just, it's not worth the headache. Uh, I also kind of like, I don't think you should have termination charges. Uh, in your in your contract, like if you're not happy here, then I really want you to go. Like if you are really not happy and you want to go somewhere else, then I really want you to please leave and please go somewhere else and don't be here because your negativity and toxicity is not going to be good for my business. So please go somewhere else. And every single time I've taken that approach, um, that person has gone somewhere else, and almost every single time they have not been there very long. So um, the grass isn't always greener, and I just. I believe that 
letting people leave is better than, you know, forcing people to stay because they can't get out due to a, uh, a non-compete agreement. And I have seen good coaches stay at gyms that they hate working at because they have non-compete agreements. Um, so that's something we can definitely help you with. Uh, but I just, I, I would encourage you to find other avenues. If you are in a situation where you're not really sure what to do, or you maybe you have a non-compete agreement, then as you leave this episode, what I want you to do is reach out to your attorney and discuss your current situation. If you have a non-compete, discuss, is this really going to be enforceable? Have I gone about this the right way? Sometimes the non-compete itself, the, the written language, the legal lease is accurate and right and justified, but maybe you aren't doing it at the right point in your hiring process, which then makes it non-binding. So you need to make sure you go to your attorney and you are on top of it. You have your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. Uh, and it's not the the opposite where you have your T's dotted and your eyes crossed because that's not going to make any sense, right? So you got to make sure that it is laid out correctly if you are using non-competes and that they are enforceable and they're worth spending your time on. Uh, if you need to redo your employment contracts and actually get those non-solicitation uh, confidentiality agreements, get some boilerplate NDAs, those kind of things, I would highly suggest you reach out to Matt Becker at gymlawyers.com. He is my go-to attorney for anything contractual. He can do contract law in any of the 50 US states um, and help you get contracts in place and help you make a plan for your business. So he is the go-to guy. I would highly recommend you do that um, and make sure that just all of your legal stuff in terms of your employment is completely dialed in to include your non-solicitations and your confidentiality agreements. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I absolutely love being back home in my normal studio where I'm recording these. Um, I'm still getting all the audio levels figured out. So the last one had a little bit more echo than I like. I'm, I'm trying to get that dialed in for you. Uh, but if you've listened to the episode, thank you. Make sure you share this with someone who would get something out of it. If you're looking for another great podcast, make sure you check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins. Uh, he's also got some great content going on Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. He's got a bunch of cool stuff happening. So make sure you check out all of his great content. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.